Well, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives, the podcast done from Grove Studios in Ypsilanti. I just gave my guest a tour. She was very impressed. This is a place that if you're a musician, if you're a DJ and you're looking for a place to practice and uh, get out of your house and out of your garage and into a studio with some isolation, this is a really great place. 24-7 operation keypad. And uh, if it not for Grove Studios, I would not be doing a podcast. They are the ones who encouraged me to follow this as a path. And uh, I, I think I'm going to have to keep doing this because this really fills a spot in my heart. And I have to also thank my sponsor, David Palmer, because without David Palmer, I would have stopped three podcasts ago. There would be no future podcast. So David Palmer is an associate broker realtor serving the clients uh, in the city of Detroit and the surrounding areas. And we're going to talk more about David. But in the meantime, if you want to write down his website and check it out a little bit later, it is David Palmer, LLC.com. Or no, that's not it. Where is the website on my little sheet here? Sorry, David. It is missing from my, it's not missing. I used the same thing last time. David, I'm so sorry. David has been so kind to me, and uh, we are going to make sure that we find this on here. DCPalmer.com. That's it. DCPalmer.com. Should I like that? My guest is somebody who um, I told her right before we started that uh, she reminds me how to smile, and we laugh so much together. I, I've always looked forward to any visits that we have, whether it's in a studio, which we've had many, or just hanging out at a show or talking. It's it's Rachel Davis visiting us all the way from Nashville. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. Hey, Bomberito. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> glad to see you, too. You are uh, you really are a joy to me. You are of the people. I've interviewed so many over the years, and I always, people ask, who is your favorite to interview? <laughs> and you always come up in that conversation. We always have a great time. We I do. Always, I always love our conversations, and it's, it's just always, I like it. Me, too. <laughs> Thanks for being a friend and a supporter of what I do. I appreciate you. Oh, no, no problem. So we're going to dig a little deep into your, your history, but I think- yeah. Before we do that, because we're going to do about four songs today, and I don't want to like not get the four songs in because we can talk and talk and talk and right. talk. I'm going to want to do that. I mean, we do, but <laughs> I would love to have you start with a song. Okay. We can talk about other things other than that. What would you like to start with? How about I start with the um, the song that I wrote with my husband, Dominic John Davis, um, the the song, my love song, The, the Summertime, since we were right it, here it in, in the middle of summer. How about I start with When the Summertime Comes? Sounds great. Rachel Davis on Acoustic Alternatives. Okay. Summertime comes 
That's a great song. When the summertime comes. Summertime's here, my friend. It's here. It's here. That was written like in when we lived in Bath, Michigan, just mm-hmm. on the North Shore of Park Lake, and it was like mid-April, but it was still sleeting outside. And if you're from, you know, Michigan, Northern Michigan, you know, you, the calendar says it's supposed to be springtime. Not always ready. Yeah, but no. it still snows up until Mother's Day, <laughs> and so that's when that song was written. And it was just like, you know, I know reasonably in my conscious mind that spring will come but all of us northern michiganders have that tiny voice in our heads at that time of year that's like well actually maybe this is the year that winter is just gonna stay forever (laughs) (laughs) if it's snowing on mother's day and so that song was written at that time like i think it was even like a day that was sleeting oh my goodness you know and and freezing cold like on the lake if my memory serves and my memory's getting bad, but I think you and Dominic did that in the studio at the radio station once. I think we did. Yeah, yeah I think we did. That's a, I mean, that song's that's probably like we're 13 years old or something. Yeah. 12 and it years finally old. made it to a record. Yeah, last it's finally, year. yeah, it's finally on the Sweetwater Warblers <laughs> album, debut album from last year. Yeah. We'll get, so we'll get to that in yeah, your history. Okay. And yeah, I, think actually, I think May covered that in her uh, Mondays with May show. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. I watched that. Yep. She's awesome. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> this is about you, not about everybody else. <laughs> I am also about everybody else, though. So, I know. You know. <laughs> so was, was Cadillac home growing up? Is that where you like were raised as a child? Yes. That's where – well, I was born in Lansing, and then when I was a baby, we lived in Chicago. Oh, okay. And that's where my mom's from. So we lived there until I was six years old. Oh, and then we moved to Cadillac when I was six. And I, that's where I grew up. I didn't know there was a Chicago part of your there history. There is a big Chicago part of my history. Yeah. Did you ever go back there? Oh, yeah. All the time. My sister still lives there. All my mm. mom's relatives are there. Yeah. that's it. We would go there on holidays and stuff. Well, yeah. Well, very good. <laughs> well, I love the story you tell about your first appearance on stage. <laughs> you tell it better than I could. So yes. Let's, let's talk about your, like, this is my introduction to performing story okay oh it's so fun um so my parents both my parents are like old-time musicians my mom plays dulcimer my dad plays guitar 
banjo, um, mandolin, sing. They both sing together. And when I was little, they had like an old-time duo, and they were performing at the festival that's up in northern Michigan called Bliss Fest. Mm -hmm. And um, when they would perform... Uh, they would bring me on stage and, and like I would just sit off to the side and like have a coloring book or like something that was occupying me during their performance and I never really bothered them. And this one year I was two and a half. I was almost three. I was almost three years old. And um, they were playing at the Bliss Fest and I, I, they were on the main stage and I was off to the side of the stage and there was a bunch of like the extra microphones that like – that they use for bigger bands, you know, were off to the side. And they started playing this song um, called the Anti-Gardening Song that I can't remember exactly who wrote it, but I know that we learned it from Sally Rogers. And it's like the gardening song, except instead of inch by inch, row by row, instead of it's sweet about being gardening, it's like slug by slug, weed by weed, my garden's got me really teed. <laughs> and um, and I knew all the words to that. So I'm like, oh, I like this song. So I just stood up and started to sing in one of the microphones that was off to the side of the stage. And the sound person noticed and like clicked on the microphone. And I started singing that. And then when that song was over, he just brought the microphone over next to Bunce and T.I., my mom and dad. And I sang the whole rest of the set with them. <laughs> At two and a half. At two and a half, yeah. And I knew all the songs because I'd heard them so many times. Yeah. And we played music in our house all the time. Like, my dad taught me how to sing harmony when I was, like, three. Mm -hmm. You know, and, like, there's this one, the song at the end of my Antebellum Queens album um, is, a, a tr is a little uh, archived tidbit from a recording my dad made when I was three when he was teaching me this song. And, um... And uh, and so it was always around. It was always around. And then at that point, my parents, when they would perform, they would invite me to, if you want to, you can if you want. And they would just like set up a microphone for me. And if I wanted to, I could, but I never had to. And I always wanted to. <laughs> there, I think one time I, when I was 12, I had like a really high fever when the family band was performing. And my mom was like, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. And I was like, what are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to perform with you guys. And then I realized that I couldn't and oh. because I was so sick. Because I even went with to the festival and I was like, I'm just going to sit down here. And I remember being like really bummed out that I couldn't perform. <laughs> 12 was really sick. But that was like the beginning of it. I was like wearing this like little – there's pictures of my very first performance mm. somewhere out there. I've seen them. And I'm wearing this like – totally filthy purple leotard you know it was like it was like 1983 you know like I was like wearing this like filthy dirty leotard and my hair was in like really messy braids and you weren't meant to be on stage then <laughs> not, not the way you were dressed <laughs> I mean it depends on your perspective I guess <laughs> well clearly your family is instrumental in you becoming the vocalist you are today yeah was it the band called Lake Effect is yeah that, right? that was the band yeah the family band was called Lake Effect it was my my mom and dad, and then I'm the oldest, and then as each of my siblings were born, we kind of became a band. I think somebody else is using that name these days, aren't they? There was another band in the Chicago area yeah. that, was, that was using it, I, I think. I searched for it the other day. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's anything I can actually watch from Lake Effect. There, there is not a big Lake Effect web presence. Okay, no. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Like, how do I not know any of this stuff? It's I like a 35-year-old old-time family band. Pre-internet. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. There's been definitely many conversations about, should we have a website? <laughs> should Lake Effect get a website or a Facebook? There is a Lake Effect Facebook page. 
So it's still active. Yeah. Mom and dad still perform? Yeah, oh, yes. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, of course. How come I never see Lake Effect featuring Rachel Davis playing somewhere near me? It's not. It's, it's definitely <laughs> like a side hustle. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of these days, I'll have to see that. Because if it was such a an important part of who you became, I mean, yeah. uh, between that and the song circles, the Sunday music Sundays that you did, I mean... It was essentially training you for what you were going to become as an adult, right? Yeah, it was definitely like cultivating, you know, like I I had some, like I was exposed to it. It was recognized early that I had something going mm. on. And then it was just encouraged and cultivated, nurtured. I was really nurtured as a musician. And it was something I loved to do. You know, I, it, it's just like, you know, it's like a, a rebel yell, you know, like, <laughs> When there's sometimes when, you know, like the only thing you could do to get that, that I could do to get that feeling out is just sing a song. You know, it like comes in out from the deepest inner recesses of whatever my spirit. (laughs) And it's just sometimes that's the only way to pull it out. I don't know. And I may be misspeaking because I'm not a musician. I'm not a singer. But it seems to me that pretty much anybody can learn to play guitar or banjo. Yeah. But vocals, I, I mean, sure, you can go to vocal training, but I think vocals are a God-given talent that you either have or you don't. Well, it's definitely something, you know, there's some kind of physiology going on, you know, like there's something physical happening in the space and, you know, but it's also, it's got to be a brain thing too, you know, like how you perceive and what you hear, hear, you know. But I think it's a combination of like exposure and, you know, maybe the way that someone is wired and and then also like physically i guess what's going on but I, you know it's a mystery though i mean i believe anybody can sing i'm going to argue with you only because i'm probably musically wired very similarly to you i didn't have the same like constant seeing it growing up my family did it yeah but i love music as much as you do you do not want to hear me sing well here's the thing not everybody can sing well. Oh, I see what you're saying. But everybody can sing. <laughs> of course they can. I can sing part of a choir. Yeah. You wouldn't notice how bad I am in a right. choir. <laughs> and and it's about what the, the the energy that's being created with that human singing sound and being projected and brought up and put out. And so I, I really anybody can sing, but maybe not everybody can sing well. Correct. But that everybody can do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself primarily a vocalist or a songwriter? Oh, hmm, that's tough. Probably at this point today, I consider myself primarily a vocalist. Because <laughs> you haven't been writing much? Yeah, but I, even though I'm like trying to work on a new record mm-hmm. and it's just, um, um, you know, I, I, yeah, primarily a vocalist because I, I spend much more time um, working on that, I think, than I do um, writing. Yeah. Speaking of singing and writing, is there something you'd like to sing and or perform? I guess yes. it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it could is. be something new. It could be something old. Um, I, let I, me I don't know where you're at in the comfort of your new stuff yet. Oh, here. Okay, so I'll play something that maybe you haven't heard. Okay, but it's kind of old, but I don't ever really play it out. Is there a story? Oh, yeah. Okay, so when, um, when my family and I moved to Nashville in 2012, we went down there because... Is it cool to talk about what Dominic does? Of course it's cool. Okay. This is this is an open forum. Okay. When when um we we moved to Nashville because Dominic, my husband, Dominic John Davis, was starting to play uh, he plays he's a bass player and he was starting he was um playing in Jack White's band. It was when Jack White of the White Stripes was um 
going solo and was doing his first solo project. And my husband and Jack grew up together in Detroit. They've mm-hmm. been friends since fifth grade. And um, and we're in like Boy Scouts and and they were Eagle Scouts together mm-hmm. and we're in each other's first band. Mm-hmm. And like Jack's family, like Dominic is the youngest of four in his family and then he has a sister that's younger, a half sister that's younger than he is. But it, there, he said, it, Dominic said growing up, like his mom got him a guitar for Christmas, electric guitar and stuff like that when he was 12. Um, but there wasn't like any music in his house. And Jack is the youngest of 10 and all of Jack's brothers play music, right? And so Dominic would hang out there and that's where he got music. Mm. And it was Jack's brothers that like put a bass in his hand one day and was like, here, play this, this, and this. <laughs> and while we do this and you hold that down. And so it was Jack's brother that really gave Dom, that made Dom, you know, wow. helped him be a bass player. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a cool story. So. Uh, of course, D- Jack would want Dominic to be a part of this project. And so that's why, so Dominic was hire- hired to be part of this project. And we thought it was going to be like maybe just one summer and um, thing. And then when he went down there for rehearsals, we realized it was going to be a long-term thing. So that's when we were like, well, it, if you don't want to commute between Bath, Michigan and, and Nashville, why don't we just move down there? And so we moved down there for that reason. And when we lived, when we moved there first for the first six months, we were, we lived in Jack's guest house and um, uh, until we were like getting the lay of the land until we found a, a spot for ourselves, which we did and we're still there right now. Um, but so I was there at the guest house with Virgil, my, our son, when he was, Virgil was like five at the time. And um, I was there on this like compound by myself a lot. And it's this huge, you know, there's a big house and there's an awesome studio and, and when Virgil was at school, I would just like go, you know, and sit in the studio and write, you know, I try to write songs. And um, this was one of the songs that came out of that era of, okay. of like, it was like transition, but it was like also like, you know, a cultural shift from north to south. There was a definitely a different culture in the oh, south, yeah. but also from my, you know, home musical community to this new musical community. And um, also like um, understanding, you know, being associated with something that was high profile too, and which was really freaking scary Mm -hmm. to me. Like I I was, it was terrifying. I was freaking terrified like the first year that we lived there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, like I'm a really inclusive, you know, like person. I really, I'm like what everybody, you know, like come on everybody. And this was something different. Like I couldn't do what I, it did instinctively. Like I couldn't be who I was instinctively. And so it was really scary. So this song came out of that time. It's a very intricate explanation for the song. Very good explanation. But what's it called? It's called Free Man's Blues. All right. Rachel Davis on Acoustic Alternatives. Okay, here we go. Like an 
my time is just a liar's word. Hey, cask where my regrets I celebrate the dead and lame. I suffer what they overcame. Like a heart I tempers reverie. I am left out in my liberty. I do not know that one. You're right, and I've seen you live a bunch of times, and I don't, I don't think I've heard that one. I don't play that one out a lot. I'm kind what? of bringing that one back because I think I might include it in my new project. You should. Can I vote yes? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's done, but it's there's lots there. Well, I, if my opinion means anything, it's done. But okay. Whatever, whatever. Whatever. Who am I? I'm just a guy. Uh, Rachel Davis is my guest today on Acoustic Alternatives. And as I mentioned at the top of the of the broadcast, broadcast, I guess, whatever this is, podcast, uh, it wouldn't be possible without a sponsor because uh, the video that you're watching that Max is taking care of and doing an expert job of, well, that's not free. I mean, this stuff does cost money. And uh, I want to thank David for allowing me to continue to do this. David, as I mentioned, is an associate broker serving the clients in the city of Detroit throughout the region. If you are a first-time buyer or you had a bad first-time buyer experience, and you're a music fan and you want to talk music with somebody who's like you, David is your guy for sure. He's quite adept at uh, real estate sales and downsizing if you're getting ready to sell. If you're near my age, you have an aging parent and you're not sure what you're going to do with all that stuff, talk to David about that. He's got a lifetime of stuff moving. He knows how to do this stuff. Trust me, he's your guy with this. He's your solution. He'll walk you through the steps. And with your permission, he'll help you manage the third parties whose services you will need. I've known him for years. He's a really great human being. He's always been supportive of what I'm doing. And I'm really appreciating what he's and what he's doing here today. He's got a vast knowledge of the Detroit region and cares deeply about the positive social impact that he can have on the area as well. So music, social impact, 
real estate, it's all about David Palmer. DCPalmer.com. I didn't get it right at the top. I'm getting it right this time. DCPalmer.com. Check it out. Write it down. When we're done with this podcast, go to that website and check it out. Okay, so Rachel, back to you. Yeah. Thanks for letting me interrupt <laughs> what we're doing here with that. Um, so we're playing guitar today. I see a, a banjo off to the left. What instruments do you play? Like there's a whole bunch that are in your, your repertoire, correct? Yeah, a few. Just a handful. What do you got? I, I love, well, I play, started, uh, my first p- instrument I learned how to play, blah, 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 was piano. I play piano. Really? And that's my favorite these days, honestly. Like oh. that's what I, I, we've got this cool upright piano in our dining room and you have to walk past it every time you go to the kitchen. And so I pretty much sit down at it like a half a dozen <laughs> times a day. Um, uh, so piano, guitar, um, banjo, ukulele, and then um, uh, I've got a couple tenor guitars. I, I, I love playing the tenor guitar too. It's just like, you know, it's just like a guitar, but ukulele, you know, it's four strings. A tenor guitar just has four strings. And it's tuned like the top four strings of a guitar, so it's just like you know I can play swing tunes on a on a tenor guitar much easy much more easily than I can a, a six string guitar. But those are the five I think. Yeah, piano, guitar, banjo, ukulele, tenor guitar. And you've talked to me in the past about uh, claw hammer banjo versus yes. whatever the other kind. Like, yeah, what is finger. the difference? Between, what is it? Three finger. Three finger is like the bluegrass style. It's like the picking kind where you have like the picks on your thumb and you, you use the, the the finger roll. Where it's like the you know like the dueling banjos, you know like the the bluegrass sound. Mm-hmm. And claw hammer is different. Um, it's a different style. It comes from a different area, really. It's like Appalachian style. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need the three picks for it. And um, it's a different strumming style and a d- whole different set of tunes. <laughs> with the kids that you did you go to did, were you homeschooled or regular school I went to regular school okay. so mm-hmm. would the kids that you went to school with be at all surprised that you're still doing this today is there any no I don't think any of them would be surprised no that I was doing mind. this yeah this is your path the whole time yeah a couple of years ago I'm definitely dating myself now a couple of years ago I had my my 20th high school reunion and um one of one of my friends from high school organized it and hired me to be the entertainment i dj'd my own 20th yeah for the for the 20th 20th um school reunion high school reunion and i like brought my brother and my husband you know and and a, a friend that was a drummer you know like i like brought Put everyone brought the band yeah. yeah and so it's not no it's not a mystery did you ever hold another job? I mean, was ever like I had one real job once. What was it? When I was 18, I was the beverage cart girl on a golf course Ooh. in Cadillac, Michigan, and it was really fun because me and my two best friends worked out there and like you know you ran the snack shack and like you got to drive the beer cart all around the golf course all day long and it was really fun. <laughs> I don't know that you're going to get a lot of stories that make songs out of that like you would working in a hotel or something like that. Right. No, I mean I'm sure there's something in there, but <laughs> but it was it was really fun. Like you know, what does it feel like? It, it, everybody was so happy to see it. You know, like when you would drive up, all, yeah. all, everybody was so happy to see the beer cart. Mm-hmm. Of course. Hey, here you are, the beer girl. <laughs> did you ever did you ever consider going to like Berkeley School of Music, or did you go to Berkeley? I no, didn't you... go. No, I didn't go to Berkeley School. So my senior year of high school, I went to Interlochen Arts Academy. Oh, okay. Um, for just my senior year, but it was for theater. And it was before they had the musical theater program. It was actually the very first year they did a musical. Um, And then there became a musical theater program a couple of years after that. But so I went just for theater, you know, studied a lot of Shakespeare and stuff. Then it was really fun. But what it was, it was like getting to be around 
other kids that were like me, you know, like that were driven and talent, you know, had talent and ambition and could do, wanted to do this, you know, with their lives. And it, and so that, it was a short time, but like that's, I feel like that was like my music school experience. Mm -hmm. But then I, when I graduated, I went, to, I took the money I had been saving for college and I made a record. And I, you know, I definitely like had that conversation with my parents, like, is this cool if I do this? And both of them without, there really wasn't a conversation. They were just like, <laughs> of course, yes. you know, like my, my dad who spent like an excessive amount of time in higher education, you know, like has m many degrees and ended up being, you know, like an awesome stay at home dad and hmm. like, you know, a, a small town inspiration. Um, but he never used his, his degrees, you know? And so he's like, yeah, you know, like, I wish I had thought of that, you know, <laughs> like, he's like, do that. And so that's what I did. And then I made a record. And then um, a year, two years later, I moved to Boston and was like, had a lot of friends in, in the Berkeley music um, school scene yeah. um, and Boston Conservatory and all, like, I had a lot of music school friends and some friends from Interlochen too that, that were out there at that time. So I just went there to live and play music and like get my career started. But that was kind of the equivalent of like my college years, I guess. You chose Boston because it was a rich folk music scene? Is yes. That, okay. Yeah. Because you could have moved anywhere. Los I could Angeles, have moved anywhere. Yeah. I, I, chose, I chose Boston just because it was kind of, the signs were pointing there. Mm -hmm. There was like a couple of signs that were like, go here. <laughs> There were particular artists from that scene that made you think, oh, if they do it, then I can do it. Well, it was I in my whole career, I've received one fan letter, and it was um, when I was like t twenty years old, right before I was planning on moving somewhere to get kickstarted my career. Um, uh, I the fan letter was from this lady, this woman from the Boston area named Mary Lou Lord, hmm. and she's like an indie rock queen. If you look her up, she's like been like present for many moments in rock and roll history but was like a peripheral character but she really has been present for a lot of them and I didn't know who she was but um the the guy my manager at the time Pat Power he knew who she was mm -hmm. and he was like whoa he was like you should tell the fan letter said she heard the letter said that she w was cruising around and had heard one of my songs on WBUR um in Boston and um, I think that's what the station was at that time. And she had said she, she, the letter said she had to pull over and listen and wait till they and, and they didn't announce who it was, so she had, had to call the station and wow. ask who it was. And then she like got my information and sent me a letter. And she was playing at the Newport Folk Festival that year, and she invited me to come out and play with her at Newport. Wow. And so I did. I went out there and like met a bunch of East Coast people. And I actually spent my 21st birthday playing on the street of Newport um, <laughs> during the festival with Mary Lou Lord. Wow. And um, it was very memorable experience. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and then a month later, I moved out there. That's yeah. great. Well, you won like best new singer songwriter, and you won it in a town like Boston. Why would you move back to Michigan? What, what, I mean, no, I mean that it's a great, great town, and the scene was very rich at the time. Yeah, it what was. Brought you, what brought you back? It was, um, well, love. Oh. <laughs> um, um, Dominic, my my husband was a bass player. Is the bass player in the M M Michigan Musical Institution stepping in it? The band, love and him. um, um, it just 
I had hired him to play like be my like I was doing a Midwest tour with one of my roommates from Boston who's a fiddle player and we needed a bass player and and also my guitar player the late great Brett Hartenbaugh and um so we needed a bass player and I hired Dominic and you know he had come Stepanin had come out to Boston and we knew them you know the Michigan connection I knew them from the known them from the Michigan scene and they would stay you know at my apartment and, you know, we had been friends for a while, but then, you know, something, I hired him to play bass and we did a tour together and, like, I guess everybody noticed something <laughs> except me. I think I maybe was the last person to notice. And um, and then, you know, when I did finally figure it out, it was like, oh, yeah, this is it. And he lived in Lansing and um, I'd been out east for, like, six years or something. Mm. And so... Um, you know, I was pretty ha- excited to move, li- come to Lansing. I mean, I was born in Lansing, and I was knew lots of people there, and so it was kind of a fun move to make. So that's what brought me back to Michigan initially. Thank you, Dominic. <laughs> I know eventually you'll probably watch this, but I thank you for bringing her back because I'm not 100% sure our paths would have crossed if you hadn't moved to Michigan. Yeah. Maybe eventually. But yeah, maybe, yeah, that's true. I'm grateful. I'm grateful our <laughs> paths have crossed. <laughs> want to brag a little bit about some of the other festivals you've had the chance to play? I mean, you, you Newport was... It's busking, essentially, right? Well, I mean, well, we did play on the stage. Oh, too. did you? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty big festival. What other <laughs> festivals have you graced the stages of that people um, know about? Let's see. I did. Well, I def- definitely did the Boston Folk Festival that time, and um, you know, I did when I was playing lots of festivals. I did like Winnipeg and um, Ottawa Folk Festival, the Canadian festivals, Edmonton, mm. Edmonton Folk Festival. Yeah. Um, I did two years in a row, and that was really exciting. That wasn't really a, a thing you know, the, inviting an artist back two years in a row, but I got to do that, and it was really fun. And then, let's see, haven't done a lot of festivals out west, but lots of East Coast festivals, I'm trying to think now. There, there's so many, oh my gosh. That's okay. They just all, but definitely like the Michigan festivals, like Bliss Fest and Hiawatha and my home festival, Wheatland Music Festival, I've mm-hmm. been to every year of my life. Um we're playing the Warblers are playing there. This gets to play there this year. Yay! Yep. And Excited about stage. that. Finally, take our new record somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> a year and a half after it, it was released. <laughs> no doubt that that's a long wait to promote a record, but oh. uh, there's something going on that you couldn't really avoid. <laughs> One of the things I've noticed over the years of of watching you do shows is your stage presence is incredible because your <laughs> stories, I mean, very very engaging. You you make the audience smile and laugh. <laughs> Uh, that was that something you picked up from watching somebody else is this just you just being you you know when I first started when I you know when I first was performing I would always perform with my family Mm -hmm. and I never had to be the MC. my mom was always the one that that engaged the audience interacted filled the space filled the space you know and I remember when I started playing like I would go to to this open mic in Cadillac at at this um, little like bar and grill um that was in a, a resort and and I would when I was like 12 and I would get up and just the the guy that hosted the open mic was Brett Hartenbaugh who ended up being like my longtime musical partner and and guitar player and um I that was the first time I would like sing without my parents on stage and at first I was just singing and I remember when we started when I was like 15 I, we started, I started getting gigs, like, I would start playing with Brett in places all over Michigan. And it was mostly, like, bar gigs and, and that kind of stuff, like wallpaper gigs. And it was a good way to start, but I remember being terrified. Like, 
I have no idea what I'm going to say. Like, I, I have, I'm very comfortable singing on stage, but, like, the interaction, I had no idea what to do or where to start. And it was scary. And for a long time, I was nervous you know, like I didn't know what to do or say, but I started at 15. So by the time I, I like had my record out and was, you know, performing my own music when I was like 20, I had had worked that out. But I didn't really, I guess, yeah, I would watch some people and be like, you know, listen to their stories. And my mom is a great storyteller and definitely watching her like um, influenced my my stage banter and presence and stuff. But eventually it just like became, I realized that I could just talk to an audience the way I would talk to a person. And that's what it feels like. I feel like I'm yeah. sitting on stage with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of my philosophy too, that like, you know, performers, they say there's that fourth wall that separates the audience with the performer and it creates mystique and whatever cultivates some kind of power or something. But my power is comes from breaking down that wall mm. and and being approachable and accessible and um, interacting with the audience the way I would. Like if you're if you go to a show and you're watching me perform and then you come uh, you know and say hi to me, it's going to be exactly the same. It's right. it's a conversation. Right, exactly. And I just kind of realized that like performance is a conversation with the audience. So <laughs> I remember the first time I saw you, which was a. a the station I was working for at the time sponsored a show at the Ark. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go MC. And I saw you blown away. And again, the stories and just you, you connected with me. And one of my probable favorite memories of seeing you as well is a single performance <laughs> at the Ark as part of the Ebert and Friends show. Yes. Your, your interpretation of Silent Night through the Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings oh. interpretation is like spine tingling. <laughs> amazing like why hasn't she recorded it that way i guess it's already been done but it has like, but, but that was a but, very exciting performance but you, you <laughs> should you should lay it down in the studio too like just the, your vocal on it was so good that was just i mean it was like a one-time thing too you know like yep. i learned it and i you know practiced it and rehearsed it and performed it once you know like well once or, four times but, yeah, yeah like for that show like yeah. yeah i guess four nights in a row <laughs> yeah the band that, was amazing yeah and just everything about it was like I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. It was very, me too. It was very exciting. That was a very fun performance. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Anyway, so um, another song? Yeah, sure. Okay. How about Lazarus? I could do Lazarus. I love now. Lazarus. Let's okay. get into a story about that afterwards. Okay, here it is. Oh 
Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, <laughs> Lazarus, excuse me, yeah. excuse me, Lazarus, <laughs> uh, performed, Rachel Davis is in studio on the Acoustic Alternatives program, and this is a song that has a great story we're going to get to in a second, because I wanted to kind of introduce getting into it by talking about things that you do that aren't just Rachel Davis stuff, so yeah. occasionally you will collaborate with others, yes. Sweetwater Warblers, we're the first collaborating, yep, you recorded that finally <laughs> with Sweetwater Warblers, so the harmonies of Lindsay Lou and May Early Wine are there as part of it. And yes. You got to uh, collaborate with North Mississippi All-Stars. Yes. Oh, that's ago. right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We, th- we talked about that, I think, last time we got together in person. Yeah. Um, and then when you're not working on solo stuff or stuff with uh, Dominic, you're occasionally writing, apparently, for video games, which is the story <laughs> of that one. Like a song yeah. that was rejected because it was too good for the video game. Yeah, tell the, tell the story. The story. Okay. So the story is, is that, so our daughter, Leela May, she was born in June of 2015. And um, normally, you know, in the summertime is when we go out and play the most, you know, because in the school year, we get the school schedule and we do just little things here and there on breaks. But summer is when we like load it. And Mm -hmm. it's like the bulk of our income is, is summer festivals and, you know, concerts in the park and all the summer shows because we can just go on the road. Um, but since she was born in June, we weren't going anywhere. We had to hunker down. And so it was a morning in early May that Virgil was at school and Dominic and I were sitting in the dining room, like kind of going over our finances and trying to figure out how we're going to budget, you know, this summer without playing all these shows. And, um, you know, we were like, well, crap, you know, Dominic's like, well, I could, maybe I could sell a couple of my 17 bases. Um, (laughs) and and we were like, that's where we were at. We were like thinking of what cool equipment do we have that we don't really need that we could sell, you know, so we could get through the summer and not an hour after that, um, we received a phone call from this fella in Vancouver, British Columbia from the Comcast media company. And it, it, he was telling us that he saw us on YouTube or something, and he loves our music, and they're developing a sequel for this really popular zombie apocalypse video game called Dead Rising 4. And the scene is like a mountain scene, and so they're looking for, like, old-time music. 
and would we be interested in writing some songs for it? And we we would also you know like it it, it would it would support us for the whole summer like this one the commission right yeah like this one project would would take care of all of our financial problems for the summer, and so it was just like I mean you know like universe lightning striking, and we were like you know what what more specific genre is there to write a song within besides old time zombie apocalypse <laughs> music you know like i was like heck yes i will do this sure. and i was so excited <laughs> to get started that i immediately got started and i like sat down and like that whole progression just kind of poured out mm. and i'd like written the first verse and the chorus right away and then kind of like had to get distracted you know like i can't like do anything for an ex i can't do anything creative in my house for an extended amount of time just mm -hmm. because i have littles and so i had to like put it aside and then i kind of had like a notepad scratching and stuff like figure if i thought of something but then um like oh, a couple weeks later um dominic was doing a tour with jack that summer and the the tour was ending in hawaii and so all the families were going and um and so we got to go meet them in Hawaii. And I finished writing the song in, at the Kahala Resort in Honolulu. And hmm. it's kind of like hilarious that it's this like dark, like zombie apocalypse, like Lazarus, like dark song words. And that I wrote them, wrote them in this like beautiful, sunny, like right. under palm trees. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Rachel. You know, Whatever like, it takes. I, I leave that part of the story a lot just because it's like, I don't know, it maybe sounds whatever, silly. But that is where the rest of the song was written. It was like on the patio at the Kahala Resort. Have you been asked to write for video games again? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. But, um, oh, so what happened was is like I wrote that song. I made a demo for it. We sent it to him. The guy said he freaking loved it. You know, he's like, I love this song. But then he's like, it's just a not quite what we're looking for. He's like, it's a little too cerebral. What, <laughs> yes. What he said. The people wouldn't make the connection between Lazarus right. and Rising from the Dead. And, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a little too <laughs> literary, I guess. But then he steered us in a, the right in the direction they wanted us. And they, what they wanted was like Loretta Lynn sounding George Jones, like, you know, like, like 60s country sure. radio sure. you know and that was a blast to do and like dominic i realized had been holding out on me for a while he's a pretty good songwriter and and he we wrote the songs together and you know they there were like four songs and we recorded them and like my brother zach bunts sang the lead on one of them and they're on the soundtrack for Dead Rising 4. You can go look it up. Oh, it's like so on it's iTunes. Purchasable? You yeah, you can go and and purchase our songs from I need to do that. How <laughs> Dead do, Rising have I, 4. How have I not done that yet? There's like there's like 500 tracks or something, but <laughs> oh. you have to like sift through all of it to find the <laughs> the that's ones why, we that's did. That's probably why I haven't done yeah. it. Yet. I'll have to do that though. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you get to do other things like uh, commercial work like to get to do voices for yeah we've did, did a little bit of that actually when we were in lansing we did that kind of stuff because we had friends that um did commercial spots and got to do that that's really fun fun to do it's like putting on a, it's like dressing up it's like playing dress up yeah. for a vocalist is what it is so that and then of course the the, the projects the sweetwater warblers which yeah. is the trio we've mentioned we didn't mention shout sister shout which we should because that's right. an excellent project that yes. i wish had a future it could have a future it might Ooh. 
Yeah. I mean, it's always a possibility. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. I, I got a box out of the artist that was inspired and gave you a copy. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I want you to do more of this, please. Here's an example of more stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love it. That's my favorite stuff. Of all the stuff that you've done, though, solo, trio, band, what's, what, is your, what brings you the most joy? I, I probably shout, sister, shout. Really? And, and it, but it's a hard to say because, like, with the Sweetwater Warblers, that harmony balance is That's like heaven. It it is, and it's like, it's like, like therapy or something. I don't. It's like yeah, for me too. It just feels <laughs> the balance is just like, it's just like euphoric, and so like that, it it is in a different way. You know, like the Sweetwater Warblers, singing with them is just like. I mean, there's nothing that comes close to that. Nope. Um, but then getting to my my favorite kind of music to, to listen to and to sing is like, I feel like where my 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 true voice resides is in the you know early 20th century you nice. know blues and jazz and swing music. That's cool. That's what I really feel like my my true voice exists inside that, and so shout sister shout for that reason is like. I just I love it. I I mean, it's so easy and it's so um satisfying and and wonderful and fun and you know, and it's with freaking stepping in it, you know, like yeah. my favorite band. You know? Argue argue <laughs> with me on that. I won't I don't think we should. I imagine the answer to the question is family, but what stops you from doing more recording of, of music? Is that it- yeah, family and time and space really, you know, and um and also, you know, like yeah, just time and space. Yeah. You talked previously about maybe doing a lullabies album. The possibility of a covers album could be a time space yeah. filler when you didn't have enough songs. There's definitely like lots of like side project ideas that I could probably do now, but I want to do like a real like a solo record yeah, first sure. before yes. I do any more like side things. More Rachel, more mm-hmm. Rachel. That's <laughs> what we want. <laughs> I haven't done like a regular like solo songwriter album since like 2008 or something. Yeah. But I've put out a lot of like other things or like side projects or like, you know, branches of what I do Hmm. in between that time. But just like get back to that core, you know, whatever it was I was establishing initially. (laughs) I know because I read about it on Facebook that you went on a songwriting retreat. Yes. Was that in? It was in May. May. Yeah. Where'd you go? Louisiana? I went to New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Yep. Did anything come of it? Yes, actually. Um. Uh, not nothing like new, actually like whole pieces, whole song. But you know, I just said the biggest issue is time and space. And what I ended up doing is like playing music for like fifteen hours a day mm. <laughs> for like five days. I rented an Airbnb that had a hundred year old um, baby Grand Steinway oh, piano wow. in it, and I sat at that thing for like hmm. eight hours every awesome. day and. It was just like, you know, I kind of realized after the past year and a half of like not really doing what I'm used to doing or, you know, what I feel, you know, defines me or or outlines me rather. um, It's going to take some time to get I've got to find that person again. Uh, They're in there somewhere. But it's really been like there's been so many distractions and so many other things to um, pay attention to or to put energy toward that I hadn't really been um, nurturing that um, that artist or whatever <laughs> in 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 me, and it's going to take time doing that first. I think. 
I totally get it. I'm not yeah. an artist, but I lost who I was too. Yeah, I, lost my I think identity. a lot of people did. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, because I mean, so much of us we identify ourselves with our connection with others, and mm-hmm. it's. I mean, we still were able to be connected, but like in a different way, and you know, it definitely felt like a shift or a transition, and it wasn't. It was weird. A little watered down, maybe. It was. <laughs> So you got the banjo. Yeah. <laughs> so a song we can do. I know this is going to be a little bit louder than the guitar, so I'm going to make adjustments. <laughs> Might have to make I've got experience. But I can keep this thing tucked in the back so it does not it's okay. too loud. It's okay. I'm in control of the mixer. I'm good. I'll try to move this thing around here. Okay, there we go. What song is the, the banjo song today? How about I do the, the um, Sweetwater Sea? Oh, I love that song. Okay. Yes. Yes, please. Let's do that. I need to hear this thing. There we go. Song Rachel Davis, <laughs> Water Sea on Acoustic Alternatives. I believe that one's been covered, hasn't it? It has. 
has. It has. It, it has been covered by um, our uh, hometown heroes, the Green Sky Bluegrass. Put that on their live album. Yeah. But live volume one. I think it might be like the opening track or something. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of essentially. Sweetwater Warbler, Sweetwater Sea. I, I think it inspired the name. Maybe. It? Maybe. Maybe. I never even freaking thought of that. Come on. Maybe. I swear. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because. <laughs> but you're kidding because you're. Kind no, of like... I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about how the Sweetwater Warbler name came about. It was just because we had that one set at Hoxieville that we were requested to do together. And we just had to come up with something mm-hmm. for that, you know, for that day. Okay. And um, Warbler. I have. Sweet water, and it was like we we want to do something like about the Great Lakes, and mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure if I suggest that. I'm, I think maybe Lindsay Lou might have suggested that, but well, yeah, huh? Uh-huh. I, I thought know, you were maybe. being sarcastic. I'm sure it's related. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely in our consciousness. Sure. So. <laughs> so the move to Nashville for me was like, oh no, we lost one of our best. But I was hoping that it would result in a greater exposure for you. Has it done anything for you as far as your career is concerned? Has yeah, it I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's taken a long time. It's a slow roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, I mean, like the North Mississippi All-Stars thing, you know, like I got to do stuff with Phil Madeira and Colin Linden, mm. you know, like yeah. – um, exposure it's all a lot of it it's all secondhand exposure from like dominic really sure but um but still you know like i'll take it <laughs> you know yeah but yeah definitely do you think your career would have been any different had you just stayed in michigan and done the same like do you still would have done the warblers you're still i mean it, it, has it really has, it, has the audience size increased because of- i well it's hard to say i don't think it has just because I've been in mom land for oh, so long. That's a good point. You know, and but now I just hired a new agent at like last year and he kicks ass and um and I'm kind and I'm talking about making a new album and I'm really kind of committed to to um um hitting the pavement mm-hmm. soon, you know, like I'm done having babies and <laughs> you know Lila May is going to be in first grade and the time is coming and and I have this vision in my mind and also this like drive to to get it rolling and i think it's in being in nashville puts it in a good spot and get you, you get back on the road and it'd be the base to go in any yeah. direction like nashville's here you go boom, boom, yeah boom, and boom. i can still be like my have my midwestern heart you yeah. know and do and bring you know the spirit of what music community is up here down to nashville and then carry that with me like that's really like my essence is like the spirit of the michigan music community that's just like so close-knit and and we're all, you know, part of each other. And I identify so much with this area. I mean, all mm-hmm. my stories are about my family, you know, and true, where I'm from. True, yeah. And um, so, like, you know, I think it's it, it has the makings of a pretty good combination there. <laughs> you and I share a love of music, but we also share a love of baseball. Where did that come from? <laughs> it came from a really early age. So I, the, the whole Chicago part of, oh, really? of the story. Yeah, my mom's family is... Um, like my my mom's dad was a huge White Sox fan, mm-hmm. and um, when he was a kid, he was an Andy Frayn usher um, in Chicago, which was just like they were um, ushers at sporting events. So he got to be at like Old Wrigley Field. He my grandpa when he was fifteen was um, uh, uh, was the back do- back gate security for the nineteen forty seven All Star Game at Wrigley Field. Wow. And, um, and he's got stories about Joe Cronin, you know, who was the Red Sox manager at the time. But so I heard baseball stories from my grand grandfather. And then also when we moved to Michigan, 
um, they, we still got WGN up here, and we could still watch the Cubs and, and the White Sox. And I went to a lot of ball games with my dad and my grandpa and stuff when I was when we lived in Chicago when I was little. And I have vivid memories of like seeing Wrigley Field the first time. And and baseball was like the connection between like when we moved. It was like my connection to sh- Chicago where I was to this new place. And it was also like I don't know. It was just something also aesthetic about it too that I was very drawn to it I was drawn to the culture and like I remember when it was knowing when it was opening day and I went to elementary school on the top of this big hill Hmm. right next to our house and I would get home by running down the hill and I remember like on opening day the game would start at like two o'clock and central time and then I would run sprint down the hill to go and watch the the White Sox or the Cubs, whoever was on WGN. And it was like meant that summer was starting. Mm -hmm. And it was like this placeholder for this time of like freedom and innocence. So it's like the culture. And then later on, finding out about like the the other parts of culture that are connected to it, like music and like the cool songs from the, the golden age of baseball. And also I'm just like kind of a nerd. (laughs) <laughs> and um and the historical part of it too I was really drawn to like whenever I'm bummed out I'll like watch an episode of like the Ken Burns baseball documentary there you go. and I don't know I'm there's something about it I'm really drawn to it um I like tradition mm-hmm. um I'm really tradition oriented and the how baseball connects generations to each other is is what I'm drawn to and the Red Sox are your team? Yes. Yeah. And so the the reason for that is <laughs> Chicago, because Chicago, Detroit, and then I Boston. had kind of like as a, a like late teenager, I'd kind of fallen out of of like my love of baseball. Yeah. And then when I you moved to Boston, yeah. it's like part of the culture. Yeah. Like you cannot not fall in love with baseball. If you have any, you know, uh, you know, tendency to like baseball and if you're in Boston like you cannot not fall in love with it and so I was also there when they broke the curse like literally like in Harvard Square and when 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 they won the World Series and so they're and they're just a a cool a really old team they're one of the original teams and so the tradition part and they're also really good (laughs) this year they are (laughs) this year yeah they are they've had some rough years recently last year (laughs) yep and maybe the year before that too do you have a favorite player um my all-time favorite player actually was a white was on the white Sox, and my favorite player is harold baines okay Mm -hmm. cool (laughs) thank you for sharing your stories (laughs) your songs your laughter your smile Thanks for having me, Bomberito. My pleasure. And to remind you, it couldn't have happened without David Palmer. David Palmer. <laughs> Thanks, is the, David Palmer. David Palmer is a great guy. David Palmer's <laughs> website, dcpalmer.com. I should have mentioned that he's affiliated with Realty Experts, LLC. 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226. The phone number is 313-759-9558. Again, David Palmer, dcpalmer.com. He makes this podcast possible, and uh, I'm very grateful for that as well. But the friendship that I share with you and the fact that I got to see you on your visit to Michigan from Nashville is uh, going to be the highlight of my summer. I'm glad this happened. Me too. Let's do it again. Okay. All right. (laughs) Another episode to be determined. I will have another guest. Don't know who it is yet, but working on somebody. Thanks for joining us on Acoustic Alternatives.